0: He's quite the wild type. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nothing? Hi. No, don't say hi. Just laugh at his joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, laugh at <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, that was awesome. All right, so um, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Screen Fix, uh, where we fix a recent film, as well as give you a little bit of movie news. I am your host, JC. With me are the co-hosts that carry the show. We do have one co-host that is not here today. Unfortunately, we do not have Lady One uh, this week. Lady she had, uh Yeah, she had a, a personal uh, issue that needed to be taken care of. And she couldn't be here. We do have a pre-recorded message from her, though, that we will share because she loves her screen fixies. But we do have a co-host today filling in, uh, filling in just in time for us to fix Annihilation, which has Natalie Portman's character playing a biologist. We have in-house a biologist to help us dissect uh, that film and to uh, also, you know, chime in on some of the uh, movie news. Do do people in your field get out to see movies?
2: We do. We get out uh, from behind our computers and our microscopes, <laughs> and we do actually engage in social activity. Not well, but... Uh, and I'm not a biologist. We don't We do not do that. We don't call ourselves biologists. <laughs> I am a landscape ecologist. ecologist. And uh, in the vein of uh, Lady Wan,
1: I think I'm going to go with Lady Nay. <laughs> there we go. Well, welcome. Welcome, Lady Nay. Yeah, so... You don't call yourself biologist like Natalie Portman's character did.
2: I have never met a biologist that calls themselves a biologist. All
1: right. Well, let, let's not start fixing things right away. Let's uh, let's go ahead. We will get to annihilation that is what we're fixing first let's see how uh our co-host here mustachio is doing did did, did you do anything this week that's film tv related you know maybe you went to the build-a-bear shop i don't know what uh just tell us anything you did go ahead mustachio
0: no i didn't go to the build-a-bear shop Uh, i'm not allowed back inside there so what (laughs) i've been doing i've been doing a lot of writing um just some stuff for, for me, for creatively, uh, doing a bit of poetry.
1: Are you still writing your erotic limericks? <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with that. <laughs> Mustachios,
0: erotic uh, limericks, and haikus. And haikus. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and haikus.
0: Um, on top of what Lady Nay was saying, as biologists don't call themselves biologists, I, that's funny because in the world of uh, working with amputees, a prosthetist doesn't go around calling themselves a prosthetist, especially they don't call themselves a male prosthetist or a female prosthetist, because <laughs> it really kind of throws off the person's, you know, focus and, and actually taking them seriously. We don't call ourselves leg men or leg women. Uh, <laughs> we
1: we just. We're just practitioners. We're just clinicians. All right. So our male prosthetist has been writing erotic limericks <laughs> in his spare time. Let's uh let's move on. Uh, our our guest host, Lady Nay. Um, how uh, have you done anything this week? TV, film related, or you know, maybe you discovered a new rare lichen. Uh, whatever. Just uh, let us know how how you are. How are you?
2: Uh. I did a lot of Netflix and chill with myself uh, pretty much all week. I mean, outside of work and teaching the the new biologists of the
1: world.
0: I'm liking that. ridiculous (laughs)
1: ridiculous <laughs> so bad so bad that joke was mostly terrible all right anyway so let's go ahead let's go ahead and uh, dive right into our, our our news and then we can you know i know we're all excited to get lady Nay's take our first little bit of news quickly involves wonder woman 2 and actually we're gonna play our clip from a uh, lady one who's who's not here here you go
3: Hi Screen Fix friends! Katie the Lady One here. Sorry I can't be there for this week's episode, I'm dealing with some family issues that are keeping me away from the Screen Fix studios. But I couldn't miss an opportunity to bestow my opinions on you, so let's talk Wonder Woman 2. Word on the street is that Kristen Wiig is in talks to be the villain in the Wonder Woman sequel as Cheetah. So this character is sorta crazy. She's an archaeologist who becomes obsessed with the idea of Themyscira, and after meeting Diana and finding out it's all real, she seeks out. The powers and becomes this crazy cheetah woman complete with razor claws and teeth super strength predator senses cheetah speed and bloodlust I gotta be honest I'm a little nervous about this not so much for the casting because I really do enjoy Kristen Wiig I think she's got a lot of talent she's complex she can go dark I think she can do it what I'm nervous about is the villain concept in general I hope it's not another full CGI baddie That, I felt, was the weakest part of the Wonder Woman movie, which I loved. But when she's just fighting a CGI Ares with a bad mustache, that kind of took me out of it a little bit, and I didn't love it. So I am worried about another fully computer-generated bad guy for her to fight. That being said, I am so pumped for a female villain. That's what I want to see. Women represent. I want to see this. And if it's true that this movie is going to take place in the 80s, I'm really excited to see the world that Patty Jenkins builds. I think that could be really awesome. So I am optimistic, really excited for One Woman 2, and I can't wait to hear what you guys think.
1: So yeah, Kristen Wiig, she's in talks to play Cheetah. And in the comics, Cheetah basically just looks like a buff woman with Cheetah body paint on. Okay. So uh, how do we feel about the casting of Kristen Wiig as Cheetah? We'll let you go first, Lady Nay.
2: I, I didn't do my homework. How involved is Cheetah in the?
1: She's uh
0: so Cheetah's like one of Wonder Woman's like nemesis. So she plays a pretty big role. Yeah, she's like one of the bigger ones amongst amongst Wonder Woman's rogues gallery. Yeah, and we don't know whether it's going to be a a buff woman in a tight paint suit or she's actually going to have these grown appendages of like a cheetah, like she's actually an anthropomorphic actual cheetah or something. We don't
1: know. Well, this is the 80s, so she could just be wearing like a cheetah leotard. There we go. <laughs> the high-waisted one. With a, with like a, a mesh tank top or something? A leopard-tard.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're not going to give that one to you.
1: The guest host is already smacking me down. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right.
2: I think Kristen Wiig is a good fit. The reason I ask about how prominent is that role, she's going to take that role. Like She's going to be a pretty strong component so unless she's a big component of the storyline i don't know if kristen wig would be a good pick but is she a funny like like a will ferrell like protagonist antagonist
1: Mm. i i think she's gonna be just playing full-on villain Uh, she's gonna be in full villain mode yeah i mean she has stretched her dramatic chops uh, at times i don't know if i've ever seen her full-on dramatic evil but you know this is a comic book movie you know histrionics encouraged so i'm ready to give her a shot and do something different and i'm ready to see her jump around in some uh, cheetah body paint
2: i don't know if i'm ready to see Kristen wig Painted nipple,
1: though. <laughs> uh, no, that would be really weird if Cheetah was actually more uh, realistic looking. Mm-hmm. Like maybe she would also walk by trees and just bend over and spray them with urine. <laughs> <laughs> See, Kristen Wiig could pull that off and we would all just love it. Her main goal is she just wants to mark the world with her urine. You know, like <laughs> and, a real, and bathe herself in front of others. And bathe herself, yes. You know there's going to be a scene where Kristen Wiig's cheetah is completely licking her arm or something. <laughs> I think you have a subject for your next erotic limerick. There we go. There we go. I'm already writing it. <laughs> All right, Uh, this one I put in here just for you, Mustachio. You are our tarantino file. Brad Pitt is now joining Leonardo DiCaprio in Tarantino's 1960s Hollywood film. So we did talk about whether we thought that Uma Thurman's comments about her treatment on set uh, would affect his films in any way, but it looks like the A-listers are still lining up. Uh, How do you feel about Brad Pitt in this uh, 1960s Hollywood movie? I'll let you go first, Mustachio.
0: I feel good about it. I mean, like... Who who couldn't love Brad Pitt? I mean, the dude like has his acting chops. He is king amazing. So when he is in a movie like Inglorious Bastards, he carries the movie, and it only builds with Tarantino's writing. Look, Tar- Tarantino is just another example of a great writer director, but you don't have to love him in real life. You know, there's plenty of Hollywood people out there like that. But with his new endeavor with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's that's an homage to his favorite movie. Once Upon a Time and
1: in...
0: Whoa!
1: Do you need the Heimlich? <laughs> think something. I think I just got acid reflux. <laughs> Do you have GERD?
0: We're gonna have to cut that. <laughs> that was that was. That's staying in. I feel like I had a hairball. All right.
2: <laughs> Whoa! Saw that arm that licking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's gotta be. Greg
1: is male cheetah.
0: <laughs> All right, so. Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, like, the name is an homage to one of his favorites, Once Upon a Time in the West. His writing portrays, like, the stuff that he knows all too well, whether that's, like, uh, old existential film noir of French cinema or whether it's, like, the heyday of westerns and stuff like that. We're going to get that kind of writing. And with Brad Pitt coming on board with Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt's supposed to be his stunt double I mean, this is a pretty hot duo, if I say so myself. You know, usually a stunt double isn't better looking than the actual star.
1: Well, unless you're like Paul Giamatti or something. I'm... Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. For, Aww, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. So they, they actually have to use more makeup on the stunt double to actually make
1: them not look as good. <laughs> they have to ugly up the, yeah. the stunt double for, for old Paul G. <laughs> yeah.
2: So if this is like his... Tarantino's best genre uh, is this his exit movie is this his retirement
0: movie I, I I would assume that it's not his exit film he has said that there was like other stuff that he wants to create um, whether it's Vega Brothers or, or whether it's um, more kind of exploitation based uh,
1: sensationalized film he has said that he wants to make 10. And then stop. Yeah. Hateful Eight was his eighth film. So this will be his ninth. So after this, he still gets one more. And I'm hoping that it's going to be Kill Bill 3, where the daughter of Vivica A. Fox's character, where she tells the little girl, when you grow up, if you still feel raw about it, I'll be waiting. I want that movie. I want that girl to grow up, still feel raw, and go get a waiting Beatrix. Wait, so go
0: after Beatrix.
1: <laughs> so go after Beatrix Kiddo and not her daughter B.B.? No, kill, no.
0: Kill
2: Uma Thurman.
1: But no, she wants Beatrix because she wants her for revenge. But she'll have to go through B.B. Well,
0: how how can we still call it Kill Bill if Bill's Bill's done? It'll be called
1: Kill Beatrix. Uh, I want his last film to be Kill Beatrix. That's what I says. All right, uh, do you have a, a a take on this, Lady Nay?
2: On Kill Beatrix or the movie?
1: <laughs> on this movie uh, that now has uh, Brad Pitt joining Leo in this 1960s-set Hollywood film,
2: I'm excited. I I'm kind of curious to see what female they're gonna throw in that hot little trio.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Is it is it gonna be a female that's portraying like some of the Manson murders? Look, like, girls.
1: Yeah. There's gotta be a um a Sharon Tate in there somewhere. Any um any thoughts on who it could be? Sienna. Sienna Miller, you think?
2: Sienna Miller would I think she has that classic look.
1: I think he's due. He's overdue to revive Rosanna Arquette's career, too. Right. All right. Anyway, so our next topic. So they're going to reboot Men in Black, a reboot kind of like what uh, Jurassic World did, where it's the same world, but this is just years later. They're going to do a new Men in Black. They're already in talks with Chris Hemsworth. All right. Before we get into any other details of it, what do you think? Chris Hemsworth, Men in Black. Do We Want It, Aussie? Thor, hunky, nipple. How do we feel about Chris Emsworth? I feel like you should take this one first, Lady Nay.
2: Uh, too much. Too much beef. <laughs>
1: Too much, too much beef for this role.
2: Yeah, uh, you need like you need like a little pork chop. You, you don't need the full the full cow. I think for this one. Yeah,
1: I mean Will Smith in his prime was pretty beefy. Get uh, it, prime. <laughs> so he was in his like bad boys heyday. He was he was looking all looking all rippled. You want them to not go with rippled again, but to go with uh, more like a Josh Gad.
2: Well, so who plays Tommy Lee Jones? Because you can't have too much brawn, and then like Tommy Lee Jones.
1: All right. So the other two the other two characters that they're looking for is they're looking they They want Chris Hemsworth and they're also looking for a black woman and an older man to be the to like round out the, the cast. And, you know, people are already throwing out Tiffany Haddish's name from Girls Trip. Uh, she kind of uh, broke out in that movie and she's a big star now. And by the way, if you haven't checked out her SNL appearance, it's really good. She's definitely funny. She's the real deal, so you can see why people want her in it as well if they. I mean, she's she's up for any 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 role, especially one that's funny.
0: So, what do you all think about the old guy type? What if they put in a more of an aging Nick Offerman? Could that could that add something to it?
2: My vote's for Mel Gibson.
0: <laughs>
2: I miss him.
1: So I don't care. It
0: would be a duo of Australians there. I mean,
1: that's what the huh? that that's true. This just go with a bunch of Aussies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mel Gibson's pretty good too. Uh, Nick. How old is Nick Offerman actually?
2: I don't know who that is. He's Ron
0: Swanson. Oh yeah,
1: I like him. I mean he he could
0: he could play like a good antithesis of of Chris Hemsworth, kind of like youthful naivete, kind of good looks, but getting by on that, you know, as a as a young cop. And Nick Offerman's kind of like the over it all you know i'm too old for this shit mib predecessor i don't know
1: so chris hemsworth is 34 and nick offerman is 47 so i mean he's definitely old he definitely qualifies as older guy i wonder if it's, he's not old enough mel gibson's probably super old how old how old's that old geezer She's still alive <laughs> yeah he was just in daddy's home too that, that, i think that would change the tone of the film mel gibson 62
2: Ooh, i Sorry, Mel. I'd put you a little older than 62.
1: Does he look older than 62?
2: I think so. I feel like Mel Gibson's going to strike me down right now. Like, he's with the JC. They're tight.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to pick Sylvester Stallone. Mm. Yeah. I like him. I like him and stuff. Grown. What, <laughs> so, and for the female, I'm actually going to pick uh, Letitia Wright, who played Shuri in Black Panther. Because I want her in lots of things now, mm-hmm. and we already know she kicks she kicks ass. Was Cherie like the the little sister? Yeah, yeah, Cherie was the little sister. Yeah,
0: I want to see more of her. She's she's got like a quirkiness to her, and yeah, she's I don't know. you you have to cut that part. I wasn't thinking
1: straight. No, we're keep, we're keeping all of it. <laughs> we're keeping all of it. All right, so Is that's that? who I want. Do you have a a choice for the 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 black female character, Chris Hemsworth's partner?
2: Uh, is, I mean, is that acceptable now? Where are we doing that? Like, because I could see like a really strong Latino woman in a like a similar type role.
1: Do you have an uh, a person for that?
2: Uh, I don't know. I always want Rosie Perez in everything.
0: Oh, Billy, you're so
1: stupid.
2: <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I want her in everything.
1: Man, I haven't even thought about Rosie Perez in a long time. Mm-mm, it's been too long. Rosie Perez is 53 that begin with the letter Q. Yes, yes. <laughs> Please put her in that movie.
2: How about Woody Harrelson? Is he old enough to be old guy?
1: Oh yeah, Woody Harrelson is totally old enough to be old guy. I mean, he was he was on Cheers. He's got to be old. <laughs> <laughs> He's fifty six. All right. So have we cast this? Did everybody give one? Who who's who's your black female mustachio? My
0: black female is a, a cross dressing John Leguizamo. Um, Mm.
1: This has been one of the weirdest segments I've been a part of. (laughs) All right, so next one. Thinking outside the box here. I'm I'm literally like, everyone, give me one black actress, and I got a Latino (laughs) and a male dressed up in drag. A male Latino. A male Latino dressed in drag. I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. Yahtzee. But we're playing Uno. What do you guys doing? Okay, so next, this was a, a big piece of news that dropped. It started as an online Twitter conversation between the Avengers account and, and Robert Downey Jr.'s account. Basically, they were like, you can have anything you want, Robert. And he's like, how about the Avengers coming sooner? And then they're like, done. And they're like, release date now, April 28th, which is a week earlier. How do we feel about that? Do we have thoughts? So why is is it significant that Robert Downey Jr.,
0: an actor in the movie wants to move up the release date you would think that that wouldn't matter
1: i think it was like just a cute way for for marvel to announce it was to make it like a a playful thing Uh, i think maybe they want to piggyback avengers which has black panther in it i think they want to move it closer to black panther so they don't lose any of that energy and also move it a little farther away from ant-man so ant-man gets a little breathing room that's what i think it was for i have I have no idea, but it's very cool that we're getting this earlier. Pessimistic side of me says it's probably all for money. Do
2: you think it could be actor-related? Like, an actor may not be able to make a premiere or do promo for a certain amount of time.
0: Hmm. I never thought of it like that.
2: Because you never... No one never moves it up. There's always, like, delays, right?
0: Yeah, there's always delays. pretty uncommon.
2: Or, like, is anybody pregnant? (laughs) It's, like, someone's due that week. Yeah. Possibly an actor conflict. Like to do the promo or to be at like a big premiere they just couldn't make it they're like you know washing their hair that day or something
1: that's an interesting point because with this many people in the movie i'm sure it's insane to try to get all those people together um so yeah who knows maybe it was just like a a conflict of having 47 characters in a in a movie (laughs) you know it, it makes sense that they might have to shift something you know okay so I am excited I loved Black Panther I'm excited about this Avengers movie but is there any movie out there on the horizon that you feel like is so far away and you really wish it was it was coming sooner do, do you have one mustachio
0: um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3
1: ah yeah that's coming out in uh, 2020 yeah doesn't that't doesn't that feel like it's like 10 years from now
2: 2020 is just like two years away. <laughs> I I figured that out. I did the math the other day, and it's it's coming up.
1: That complex math the other day. Scientists they work
0: out the math. No, it feels like an eternity. Like we're gonna have a lot of stuff in between now and then for the next two years. I'm gonna be like trying to think of the songs that they're gonna use in the next movie, and so I'm gonna have Awesome Mix Volume Three hypothetical in my head,
1: and I don't know. What if they don't use any of them? Everybody on Spotify, find. Mustachios, Hypothetical, Awesome Mix, Volume 3.
2: They can't wait too long. Otherwise, it's going to be like Britney Spears and New Kids on the Block.
1: Going to get too far into the Xenial Generation style music. (laughs) So I guess one that I would like to be moved up, and this might be weird because I don't actually want to see it that bad. Is uh, I wish Avatar Two was coming faster. <laughs> I've been hearing about this movie for so damn long. That I just wish it was here so I could see it. <laughs> <laughs> like Avatar One came out in like 2008 or something like that. Like it just <laughs> it's or 2008 or nine. I don't know one of those. But like it's been time, yeah. it's been, I just know it's been over ten years. And I know when Avatar and Avatar One like the biggest film of all time, like. It's been over 10 years before we got Avatar 2. Like this is insane. So like I know that one also has a 2020 release date, but I'm like, man, you know, I wish that was I wish that was this summer. <laughs> um, to get it out of the way. My-
2: you would think that like once they have the idea in their head, you just remake it. Like you don't wait. Like why 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 does it take so long?
1: Well, with James Cameron, I think he's kind of a perfectionist and he's probably inventing five new cameras for this movie and some new technology we've mm-hmm. never heard of. And plus he's filming, I think, a bunch of the new ones back to back. So he's probably just has this Titanic undertaking. Uh, uh, uh. Is there anything that uh, you would like to see uh, moved up that's coming out in the next couple of years, but maybe it could get here faster?
2: Indiana Jones. I'd like to see that quicker, faster on my plate so I can eat it right up.
1: That's right. They're good. They're go. making a, a, another one. A I think that's one. also. 2020 so we want all the 2020 movies now they're too far away that one needs to be moved up just because harrison ford might might die (laughs) especially if he keeps flying airplanes and crashing them yeah maybe his earring hole is going to get infected he's going to die i mean old people die of very simple very simple ailments all right so cool that was our movie news and now we're going to do what what everyone waits for this is the fix we are going to break down and we are going to fix alex garland's annihilation and we have a special treat because this movie involves this mysterious area x the author of the the actual book got his inspiration uh when he was hiking through saint mark's national wildlife refuge and he actually came upon the saint mark's lighthouse uh, which is the second oldest light station in Florida, up near the the panhandle, up near... Isn't this up near, like, the armpit of Florida?
2: It's the pit of Florida.
1: Right, so he got this idea while he was hiking through the pit of Florida. So he made this story about this Area X bubble that's changing the landscape of this, of this area, and it's slowly creeping outward. And we have for you today a landscape ecologist who... Du- who
2: you have no idea what a landscape ecologist <laughs> does
1: but anyway i just know that it's changing the landscape in the movie and you do landscaping <laughs> scientific yes. landscaping lady, lady nay
0: you replant flower beds and mulch like really
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: like i i put a lot of colorful lichens on trees
1: <laughs> yeah that's what, so anyway you are familiar with this area, this St. Mark's Reserve?
2: Uh, I, I did mention that I'm aware of the St. Mark's Lighthouse because I've mapped it before, and JC's mind was blown.
1: She mapped it. Right here we have on screen fix, only on screen fix, a landscape ecologist who has mapped St. Mark's, the inspiration for the story of Annihilation, only here on screen fix.
2: I mean, Google Maps does it too, like a million <laughs> times a day. Don't
1: downplay it. That's
0: you, you've been there. You've been to the land of the shimmer.
1: So, tell us a bit about what uh, you do in your job and your background in the in the realm of, of biology.
2: Uh landscape ecologist. I do not make maps for a living, but that's pretty much what I tell my grandma I do. We do we analyze data. So, uh, landscape means that we're looking at landscape-level processes, not just micro-scale things like genetics or microbiology, for example. We look at interactions across the landscape Uh, So a lot of what I do is process information, habitat mapping. Uh, We collect a lot of environmental data, and it needs to be analyzed by somebody and make sense of it. So I'm part of that process.
1: This is fantastic. We are going to use your mind, your knowledge, your professional insights as we fix Annihilation. Why don't you break down the plot for us, Mustachio? You look so thrilled. So
0: Annihilation...
1: All right, I'll
0: wing it. All right, so Annihilation begins with you have an understanding that a meteor uh, has hit this lighthouse area on this coast um, setting, and then you start to see this type of effect happen outwardly as this landscape begins to change. Um, you also get the introduction of Natalie Portman's character, Lena, who is a... Um, cell and cancer pathologist. So she's actually previously got an experience as a soldier where she met her husband, played by Oscar Isaacs. His name is Kane. You get the understanding that his character went in with a team into this uh, shimmer, this biosphere, kind of biodome, crazy-looking kind of wall of a setting, and you don't know what happened. Then he comes back, and for some reason... Like, it's shown that it's been, what, uh, a year or so since she's seen him. And now he's a different person. So he just looks totally different. He know, he remembers nothing. She asks him what's going on. She can't get anything out of him. Next thing you know, they're both abducted. And she's being questioned about what he gave to her as far as information. Jennifer Jason Lee's character kind of plays this interrogating officer type who isn't going to give her any access to a lawyer or any kind of uh, legality she's basically telling her look this is the way it is we need to know what you have learned from your husband then you get the feeling that they're going to she's being privy to this information about what's going on with this biosphere she's being told you know what's like what's happened with the the missions that have gone in there and no one's come back but her husband was the only one then she's a part of a team of scientists that go in to this biosphere uh, called the Shimmer. And so Jennifer Jason Lee's character, another character who's kind of like more of like security detail, um, another uh, physicist. So just a team of like five scientists with, with guns and off into the unknown they go. And this
1: is after there's been apparently a lot of previous attempts from just strictly military teams
0: yes Uh, military teams have a history of going inside there and not coming back out the they get inside and it's a totally different type of world with like plant life and with like you know deer that have flowers growing off their horns which isn't so bad it's like hey that's kind of nice and then you get crazy huge alligators that have shark teeth inside of them Um, it starts getting crazy with now they need to use their guns because stuff inside there is like attacking them. It's gonna take us into this uh, poor explanation of what's happening because it's just it's just a, a landscape of confusion. Then you go off into this subterranean, you know, kind of like setting where they're trying to like seek refuge. The lie in which she has uh, going is that her husband was Oscar Isaac's character. They find found footage of his, you know, evisceration of his buddy to see that his organs are uh, moving around like worms in a tank and everything looks kind of strange. They start questioning what's really going on, whether what they're seeing is just these soldiers that went crazy or that something was out there killing them. And then they start questioning what's really happening and why they've been sent there. So Jennifer Jason Lee's character kinda has like this authority there, like, oh, we're going. I'm not I'm not pushing back. You're not either. And you now the shit starts like breaking loose. Um, when they're up for one night for trying to watch security and make sure that none of these creatures are coming in and killing them, this huge bear like beast comes in and pulls one of them out. Natalie Portman's character is like, I got this, bro. I'm going to go off alone and find her. She finds her. Her jaw's been ripped apart. You know, she's just been thrashed to to, to pieces. She comes back. Yup, she's dead. And then she also gets to see, like, some of these exotic-looking creatures that aren't posing any harm to her. Um, The lie is found out or whatever by one of the the security-esque characters who's got kind of this, you know, weird you know relationship with the physicist and she she ties all three of them up the physicist Lena the biologist and also Jennifer Jason Lee's character and proceeds to interrogate them about you know not understanding that this was actually her husband's husband who went off into this world so she starts in a weird way questioning whether there's any merit to them being there and why the why in the world did they get sent there in the first place. So then you're going to get a strange difficult to understand scene in which this beast of a bear thing that whenever it opens its jaw it replays the scream of its last victim. I have no idea why. And it proceeds to try to, you know, tear them apart. It kills the girl that tied them up. Then they get out of there. They come through this this type of realization of what's going on is that this realm has a cancer kind of symmetry where things are happening, duality, replication. You're, you're getting more of a feeling of like the score is kind of leading you to this doomed end. And we get to near the end where Jennifer Jason Leigh's character is going into this subterranean realm
1: and she In the the I lighthouse she finds the lighthouse.
0: Oh, that's right. And Jennifer Jason Lee's character goes to the center of this to, to find out what's going on, and Natalie Portman's character is close behind. And in the lighthouse you find that they meet each other in this underground setting and a strange scene in which Jennifer Jennifer Jason Lee's character all but says I'm being annihilated and bursts into you know gamma rays and energy in this like kind of visual display yeah, she's like
1: energy puking
0: energy puking and energy you know vomiting and spasticity like it's just it was shot everywhere in such a way that kind of distracts you from the seriousness and intensity of it all anywho take uh, anlie portman's character further into this uh understanding of this kind of extraterrestrial-esque life. Um, She comes across more footage of her husband's character having this experience where the dual version of himself takes over and he has to kill himself with a frag grenade or something like that. That happens. She can't believe that the real husband of hers is dead and that the one that was created... Um, or replicated from him is the only one left. Soon thereafter, she comes across this type of extraterrestrial or uh, interesting life force um, that looms like at eye level for her. So, this is like a very interesting extraterrestrial form that is very visual, it's very beautiful, and it's almost comforting but strange. And then we get her antimatter version of herself. Popping out, Then she kind of has like this type of fight with you know her dark self and at some point she, uh, she realizes that it's either kill this thing or be killed and so she plays a part in trying to make sure that she kills it and gets out of there to go back and leave this realm um, and she gets she gets back home she me- meets up with her husband Kane and they have this embrace you see both of their eyes have this type of like you know iridescence to them that kind of shows that the shimmer is there, that they maybe are both the dark versions of themselves or this extraterrestrial life. And then you get this cascading sound and visualization of annihilation ending, and that's it.
1: Well done. It's a difficult one to try to explain because they do a very poor job of explaining like the science or uh, why people do certain things or, or or even why those particular people are there. But we're here to fix movies. We love movies. We love talking movies. Let's talk about something that we liked about this film. Uh, Lady Nay, <laughs> would you like to tell us uh, just something that you liked about this this movie?
2: Um, I... I think they actually pulled off Natalie Portman using a automatic firearm really well. That's a that's a that's <laughs> nice. a tough pull because um,
1: yeah. she looks like a, a a child.
2: Yes, a little Natalie child,
0: like from *Leon* the movie. The yes, she basically
1: just looks like her character from *Leon* the entire time <laughs> in every film after.
2: But uh, they, I think they pulled that off pretty well.
1: All right, uh, what's something that you really liked about this movie, Mustachio? I, I felt like the visuals
0: were really, really cool. Um, there was an the, the iridescence of the shimmer was done well. The score, how it builds in intensity, and you get this dooming feeling of of you know where they're going and what's happening. And the, they attempted to show that a push for more scientific knowledge is the way to go. I like that. I like movies that have that you know, that that high art of pursuing scientific knowledge and making sure that the inaccuracies and the, the, the bullshit in between are weaned off because that's what science is all about.
1: Unfortunately I think this movie's mostly the BS in between, the science
0: <laughs> <laughs> to to quote Neil deGrasse Tyson, who quoted Mark Twain, is a great fact to or a great quote to remember is first get the facts straight and then distort them at your leisure. That is something that you know the scientific community would like to see more in movies is get some of the get the continuity straight. Use somebody that has this type of understanding as a liaison to
1: instruct on what needs to happen in the film. And in the writing. And that's why we have today a scientist with us right here on Screen Fix. You're only going to get this here. We give you the level of professionalism and the level of, of uh, yeah, we give you the level of professionalism that, that other podcasts just can't touch. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked as well the uh, the visuals of of the movie. Uh, some of the special effects didn't look great, but I liked uh, the overall look. Uh, definitely the the flora was looking a lot better than the fauna in this movie i really enjoyed the the visuals especially uh there was the scene where they finally get to the the water the gulf and uh there's those great like crazy like crystal trees that are coming out of the the sand and that was such a great visual and uh, just a lot of really great art design in this film
2: i enjoyed the the artistic visualization aspect of the movie i just wish we didn't have to wait like an hour and 45 minutes to see it
1: Uh um i liked nally portman's performance a lot i think that she was very good in this movie there are some other people i thought were underutilized uh tessa thompson certainly should have had more to do and i kind of wish there was less of jennifer jason lee because she was just kind of a grumbling weirdo (laughs) kind of throughout the movie um definitely not someone that I would consider a psychologist Um, did not have the steady mind of a psychologist but um, but I really liked Natalie Portman's character I really liked the visuals so that's what we liked. let's uh let's fix this thing before we get too deep into, into fixes since we did bring a scientist here why don't you just go ahead and just give us your your scientific take on on this film first of all
2: uh Mustachio, I I agree with you. I I do enjoy movies that um, apply a certain level of technical um, nature to things. But I think this movie just did it so poorly that, you know, it's not science fiction. It's not really action adventure. It's somewhere in between.
0: Science horror or something.
2: Yeah. And I think there's a few things to get you through those kind of slow parts of a movie uh and i was mentioning this to jc earlier you either gotta have sex action or some level of uh, technical information that gets your mind going you have to stimulate yourself in some way to get through that kind of build up character development part of the storyline and and it just kind of uh missed the mark as far as that you know if if you're not going to be a super technical movie, make a Rambo. Make it... Add action or sex. hmm If you're going to make it a, a technical movie, add actual uh, facts and information. I feel like it was just kind of the dumbed-down version of science, the iPhone version of science.
1: That's awesome. Break down some of that science for us. Like, What is some of the science that needed fixing?
2: Uh... I I kind of put it into two categories. There's specific things that you can pull out, and then there's just kind of the broad overall uh, sense of lack of scientific information. Uh, So Natalie Portman's character uh, identifies herself as a biologist, and I, I have never heard of anybody identifying themselves as a biologist. Give her a little bit of credit. She's a geneticist. She's a, even if you just said microbiologist, no one says they're a biologist. It, it, <laughs> it automatically labels you as like, it, like hey, I took a biology class in college. Those people are biologists. Yeah. And a physicist. Like, I, I don't really think a physicist identifies themselves as that. I think once you get to that point in your professional career, and knowledge, you you narrow yourself down a little bit.
0: Is uh, Lady Nay is like saying you're a biologist? Is that too vague? Is it like you're not talking about the description or concentration of your expertise? Yeah, right? it's just
2: too watered down. It's too broad. Yeah, especially from an academic standpoint. If you spend that much time uh, fine tuning your skills and expertise, you usually are a little bit more specific.
1: So your fix for that would be to have her actually have introduced herself as a geneticist or Mm -hmm. some kind of, is there, I wonder if there's a particular term for a geneticist involved in cancer research or something.
2: Well, Mustachio, I think you mentioned it, uh, pathologist, virologist. uh, So she could have identified herself that way uh, from more of a pathology cancer specialist aspect or from Mm -hmm. you know a geneticist dna type background
1: okay and you thought that would have given a little bit more uh uh, credence to the scientific accuracy of this movie uh what else do you think could have helped this movie from a scientific standpoint
2: little details like she was using a dissecting scope to look at cell division uh (laughs) You're a dissecting scope for those of you guys that don't know it's it's kind of like the elementary science school version of a, a a Scope it's really good at seeing like the M's on an M&M better uh, you're, not, <laughs> you're not gonna get <laughs> cellular division uh, From no, a scope like that. You're not
0: gonna you're not gonna get down to the electron level.
2: No, 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 sir
1: It is it like like an architect using a crayon. There we go That's perspective Okay, and, and uh, do you have any other... So how about uh, maybe non-specifically, how could the, the science have been... Because it, it seems like like technically there wasn't any hard science. How about from like a, 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 a broader perspective?
2: Uh, I think kind of overall, their lack of plan. So everybody that went into the Shimmer previous to them were primarily men and from a military background so they send in dudes with guns and they died or they didn't come back no one knows what happened to them uh so this time they send four or was it four or five five women um from different uh scientific backgrounds in there with guns and cute backpacks <laughs> and <laughs> if if the whole point of the movie was to send a you know a field of scientists and or a group of scientists into uh, the unknown or the abyss and figure out what's actually going on, they're gonna bring more than just camo backpacks. Uh, they're gonna bring scientific equipment. They're gonna go in with a plan. Uh, basically, there there just wasn't a a scientific question or a process to. Uh, what, they, what they were going to do in there.
1: When you've gone out in the, the field, uh, what kind of uh, equipment have you brought with you just so we, we can get an idea of what kind of equipment actually goes into doing field work?
2: Uh, I think n- like 90% of uh, most field equipment is PVC and duct tape. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but there is a lot of equipment. We go in with uh, huge suitcases, uh, you know, if you're looking at cell level type information, scopes and imaging equipment, they had like a, a 1990 GPS unit with them. Uh, we Yeah, we don't do that. What
0: about tools for like collecting samples? Anything like that?
2: Yeah, sampling equipment, uh, you know, the stereotypical bottles and tubes and that kind of thing. Uh, but they just... They just didn't have very much of that at all. They had cameras, uh, old GPS units, and I—I I think one of the one of the characters was—they actually did identify her. While well. she was a geomorphologist or hydrogeologist, uh, which would have been a good pick. I would have picked a hydrogeologist for that team.
1: Yeah, it seemed like the plan. Like there was no actual plan for the science it just seemed like they showed up it seemed like the plan was the only plan was get to the lighthouse yeah i mean there there was no real plan laid out and i I don't know if if that's very um scientific that shows any kind of scientific method what hypotheses have they pulled from the fact that all these other people have disappeared and and what are they going in there to try and find out yeah, I think that's a good fix. So, a a fix for the film would be to at least get the equipment and the titles and the, the you know just at least get some accurate portrayals of what scientists going into uh, the field would actually uh, look like to give this movie some of the uh, the scientific credit that it's that it's lacking. Right? Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, their plan was to send a bunch of chicks in. So dudes died, so we're going to send women in this time. And they're going to be kind of scientists uh, from a really broad perspective.
0: Yeah. like So if the scientific method is question everything so that you can find its validity, so that you can find out if is it actually scientific truth, if, the, if, if that's actually what science really is all about, when Gina Rodriguez's character is just questioning everything about what they're doing there, that's the most scientific thing that happened in the whole movie. Right.
2: I think the military uh, pick was the most <laughs> analytical or questioning of all of them. And I mean, I, I <laughs> yeah. don't have a... I'm sure physicists out there are squirming even more than I am. The, they they bring this sure. physicist in there and all they do is talk about how she cuts up her arms.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, from your... Perspective, or I don't know how much contact you have with physicists or whatever. Or, but like scientifically, do you feel like a physicist would have just said, Ref- "Out, uh, everything's refracting." Like, do you feel like that would have been like, is that was was that scientific enough uh, for you? uh
2: no. And like I said, phys- physics isn't my field of expertise, but uh, I know that there are physicists turning over in their graves uh, because. Someone said fractionation and everything's scrambling. So basically, the. uh, (laughs)
0: Fractionation. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Basically, the the answer to this, uh, or the best explanation that we get as an audience, is uh, that genetic material is being scrambled up like eggs and it's producing crazy looking flowers and weird animals. Uh, It's just. And I understand it's science fiction, but it has to be founded in some kind of science. Uh, and uh, scrambled genetic material just isn't going to cut it for me. And then, it, so they like kind of start explaining it. And then aliens. Yeah. It's like they aliens. ran out of like, it, like their scientific consultant on the movie quit or they got him ri-
0: <laughs> or they or they fired her or fired him yeah or I mean, they got
2: him really drunk and then he left a bunch of notes and they're just trying to interpret like his notes
0: yeah it's it was you're right i i i think a good way of putting it, it like just on top of what you're saying is it's an annihilation of the accurate portrayal of the subject matter <laughs>
2: exactly they annihilated science
0: done Science is dead.
1: So this is just fiction. There's no science in this science fiction. They've just thrown. They've just. They're just. This movie feels like it was. It's. It's just written by someone who has no idea about science or how to even portray scientists properly. Like there's no. There. there was no. Uh, there was no care and uh, attention put into that part of it.
0: Yeah. This. This person failed biology class.
1: Whoever wrote it. So it and it does feel you're right. The whole thing feels strange from the beginning, how this is, you know, uh, yet another movie where they allow just a stranger from the outside to go into the the like danger zone. Like they they do this in movies so much where like a normal uh, civilian just gets swept up in this in this like uh, uh, government thing. And they're suddenly allowed clearance and access to things for seemingly no no reason no.
0: right right doesn't that sound like biodome i mean
1: <laughs> yeah this is just a really arthouse version of biodome this movie could have used some some Shore Shore and some uh and some william baldwin and let's throw in some stephen baldwin
2: i want more brendan fraser
1: there we- <laughs> bring back
0: brendan fraser in annihilation the sequel
1: This should have been, like, a spiritual sequel to Biodome and Encino Man. (laughs) (laughs) They really should have. They should have, like, shown the weasel.
2: Encino Man had more science than this one.
1: All right, so our first fix came from a scientist to fix the science. Uh, I have a fix as well. So going right along with the fact that uh, there seemed to be no real mission and they were just kind of throwing people out there, I was wondering also how something that is literally growing and could devour the whole world, and they've sent in all these separate missions of, of soldiers and they decide to, to put some scientists in there. How do they decide on these scientists? One of them starts to flip out immediately. one, of, the, one <laughs> of them cuts herself. One of them is a random stranger. like how in the hell do these, like these scientists get in there? This is this is literally this literally could destroy the world and they allow four characters who are so who are so deeply flawed to go into this this zone. So I have an actual so I have a fix for this flaw. So what I'm what I'm going to do is is for this part of the movie I'm going to bring back some of the psychologist's role from the book, okay? In the book, the the psychologist has programmed the members of the group with uh, triggers. She has programmed them through hypnosis, um, and she's got trigger words for them. And so she can essentially control them during this journey. In fact, the word annihilation, which she says at the end of the book, was her trigger word for all of them to commit suicide, Right, which is actually a much better use of the word annihilation than what we got in the book. The movie
0: what we got in the movie is she's all but saying i'm being annihilated as she explodes into gamma rays and energy she says it's annihilation <laughs> she does oh she's my god like, like, i annihilation. have i have a huge i have a huge problem with that part i mean for lack of a better word it was overblown it sucked
2: i it made me uncomfortable i was like embarrassed for the the actor and the people that made that movie right yeah. right for
1: the people on set that were watching that like imagine jennifer jason lee because she recorded that of course just pure green screen she's probably just in front of a green screen going it's annihilation well yeah she she looked like uh, the inflatable wacky inflatable
0: tube man at a used car lot
1: <laughs> she did uh, during a hurricane. Yeah, it was, it was like, come on, really? So get, getting back to my fix, um, I would bring back the fact that she was a psychologist, the fact that the psychologist had, had programmed these women through triggers. And my fix is, is that she wanted people to go in there whose minds were easily susceptible to hypnosis. So maybe that's why she had to pick for deeply flawed people because maybe they're more susceptible to uh hypnotic suggestion so that's that's my fix for that like because i'm i'm trying to reconcile why why these people would go in there and everybody's flipping out and crazy in the book natalie portman's character the uh, biologist uh ingests some spores And it makes her immune to the the hypnotic uh, suggestion. So maybe, you know, to keep the story the way that it was, maybe a few of them get spores or whatever. So they're still not under hypnotic suggestion. But I would bring back the hypnotic suggestion to make the movie more interesting than it, it was, but also, you know, to add just that extra layer to the film and also to explain why these ladies seem to be so flawed and why they would allow those people into the shimmer. Yeah, that's good.
2: Yeah, I completely agree uh and they definitely had time for it <laughs> they had oh, time right. that uh that they could have added that level of detail and it it would have i think you're right in saying it would have been more interesting and would have been a reason an explanation maybe the only explanation for that word to be said out loud yeah that's what we <laughs>
0: needed it was just missing explanation it was missing like a fluid nature to it like the rewrite from the book into the movie version it seemed like they were doing exactly what this, you know, shimmer effect is. It's a duplication, but in a negative way.
2: Yeah. And then in other ways, they add really bad detail. Like uh, Oscar Isaac's tattoo was killing me. I, I actually yeah. Googled in because I had a lot of time, downtime throughout the movie. Uh, I Googled whether yeah. or not that was a real tattoo. It's not. Uh yeah. It, they they definitely yeah. put it on there, and it was such a distraction for me. Yeah. It's it was just bad.
0: Cliche
1: military man, yeah. you know, bicep tattoo. Yeah. Less time tattooing and more time on science. You no, know I'm saying? Word. Okay, do we have another specific fix? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh, me, 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 me. Yeah. I don't think
0: that was me in biology class all that much. I was the one, you know, spilling and breaking the beakers.
1: Um. <laughs> so you were like Beaker, the Muppet.
0: Yeah. Me 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 me
1: me me me. All right, what do you got for us, Mustachio?
0: Like we were just mentioning about the ending scene and its annihilation oh. and how, like, <laughs> you know, like, Lady Right, Lady Nate, you you were embarrassed.
2: You're never gonna get over that. Like, I feel like this is haunting you.
0: Yes, I'm. So I need to fix that scene. I need, I need for that to just not happen. Like if if this annihilation, this actual matter and antimatter, uh, combining and then destructing and releasing energy. If this is actually going to happen and it's going to look cool, why does it have to be so drawn out and embarrassing? It was, it could have so easily have just been her death happened faster. She didn't have to say the lines, you know, the dumbing down effect of what's happening, reciting the name of the title of the movie just so you understand, oh, well, oh, she's being annihilated. That is, it's dumb, and I didn't like it. You could uh, easily just quit, like make uh, her death happen faster, and let the score, like that kind of music, actually carry the weight and intensity of that scene. The shimmer actually could have been something so much better. If we talk about a biodome, you know, it's it. Why couldn't this shimmer have more of a cancerous effect on the contents within? I love iridescence. My favorite bird is a magpie. The my my love <laughs> for iridescence. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> I love iridescence. My favorite bird is a magpie. Yeah. Hold on, just let me live with that one for a second.
0: <laughs> take take that in.
1: <laughs> That's one of your haikus.
0: <laughs> and then I'm gonna start reciting its colors it's like it's plumage yeah that I'm, I'm writing that as we speak
1: some of the problems too is there's so many like I don't understand how any of this works and I understand not understanding fully how it works but I need the way that this meteor or the way that this shimmer is is affecting people I need it to be I need it to be consistent
2: there's no consistency no whatsoever. it's like
1: no. Jennifer Jason Lee's character explodes Annihilation. <laughs> um, Natalie Portman's character gets replicated. The it's Tessa like- Thompson's character starts turning into plants. Yeah, Tessa Thompson's part was the weirdest part to me because she just starts sprouting plants from her cut wounds, and then suddenly she has plants all over her, and suddenly she's a plant like that.
2: Well, like from a, so apparently this uh, scrambled eggs DNA is only affecting charismatic megafauna and flowers. So it's missing like a whole <laughs> phylogenetic like insects. What about the insects? What about all the other living things in between flowers mm-hmm. and bears and alligators?
1: What's charismatic megafauna?
2: Charismatic megafauna, JC, is what we call in the biz uh, when a lot of people pay attention to big furry or scaled animals and it, they they get a lot of attention uh, a lot of scientific focus i guess you if you will because we're playing on your heartstrings we're looking at the bears and we're protecting the panthers and but there's a whole system uh out there that the rust that the 97 percent of the scientific community is is looking at
0: is now lady raid is that a is that equivalent to when people just want to go to the zoo and just see the elephants and they don't want to go look at the seahorses? Ex-
2: exactly. Well, I-, I would argue that seahorses are pretty- I like seahorses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're pretty charismatic. Oh, I do too. That's, don't, don't I just
0: me. I know I know when I go, I'm not going to run into the same people that are off to see the charismatic megafauna.
2: Zoos are a perfect example of
1: that. I guess one of my fixes would to have been to have things happen consistently to people rather than very vastly different things happening to people in this story. Like I wanted to see things in this shimmer affect the people uh, consistently. I didn't want it to be I didn't want it to be random. Like I understand that things are getting scrambled, but I don't know why Tessa Thompson suddenly becomes a plant and you know why Jennifer Jason Leigh ex- explodes like I said before. It's just it it's not affecting everyone the same. It doesn't even affect people the same like in the same time period. Like like Tessa Thompson turns into a, a plant within minutes. It, it just it makes no sense. So one of my fixes would be to have people get affected the same. Like if Tessa Thompson starts growing plants out of a, a cut, and since she has a, a lots of cuts, maybe she turns into a, a plant. But maybe have Natalie Portman's character somewhere where she has a cut have a little plant grown out of there too. Maybe it doesn't consume her whole body, but just have some consistency with how things happen to people. It's very easy to just make a movie where it's like, everything's random. It's also very, very, very lazy and very hard to get into from a story perspective. It's it's, it's hard to get into a movie that's that has no rules. Mm.
2: A lot of movies kind of tackle or fix this problem. They do like a science timeout. So they, they spend at least like five minutes in the movie, explaining technical things. So in Jurassic Park is when they're walking through the lab and they're, you know, explaining... They, they even, like, show a video uh, of something that they put together to actually explain to, to people what genetics are and DNA and that kind
0: of Dino thing. Dino DNA.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think just even doing a little timeout, five minutes explaining the the technical information, because I, I think you're right as an audience. It, oh, you can watch a movie and... There's a lot of things that don't make sense. There's two reasons: you either don't understand it because it's too technical, which I think is people are okay with, or it doesn't make sense to you because it just doesn't make sense. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's why we're lost.
1: Okay do you, do you have any any other fixes from it from, from anyone?
0: So I know this movie wasn't gonna not take itself seriously, but there were times in the in the movie when I felt like it was. A little embarrassing that something was happening, whether it was the bear creature that opened its mouth and recordings of other people that have been killed, their screams are coming out. Oh,
1: or whether it's the I'm just going to quickly say something real quick. Um, in the book, it uh determined that everything in the shimmer is has human DNA, so I think you're supposed to be assuming that everything in there is becoming kind of like slightly humanoid. If that's what's going on in the movie, I don't think that that was ever presented as clearly as it could have been. It was just like scrambled eggs. Okay, do you have any last uh, thoughts on this from a scientific perspective? Or from any plot, whatever you want. I uh, Did you think Dally Portman's hot? I don't know. Just what, whatever you want to say.
2: Well, you know, I, I'm okay with the science being bad. But give me something else. Give me more action. Well, and I think in the beginning of the movie, too, one of the things I didn't like, there was no real sense of alarm. Like, this could be an apocalyptic uh, thing that's expanding and taking over our universe. And everybody's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's been here for three years. And we send people in every so often. And uh, we're trying to figure it out. But we're just kind of throwing guesses at it at this point. There need to be, like, more military operationalization more presence, uh, more organization. I, I think, I think of the movie Arrival and how much mm-hmm. they went into detail on, uh, just kind of that plot development for the
0: yeah, and how quarantined that zone right. of research was,
1: yeah. And they actually brought scientific equipment with them. Uh, anyway, that I think that's it. I think that has been Annihilation. I think, uh, really. We're really glad to have a scientist here for our, to break down this science fiction film. I want to thank you for joining us today, Lady Nay.
2: Thanks for having me, JC.
1: And uh, I guess we should consider Annihilation Screen Same. Fixed. Thank you again to Lady Nay for
0: uh, your contribution to this. Thank you for watching it and, and actually giving us your take you know an approach coming from someone not just like ourselves who are just subjective opinion based uh, movie geeks so it's it was good to have you thank you lady nay
2: you're definitely welcome and uh next time give me more like Brad Pitt or something i'll, I'll come back for the there brad pitt movie
1: there we go only if it has science
0: and we won't we won't wait till 2020
1: either trying to get in on katie lady wants territory all right <laughs> uh and we do miss uh, Lady Wan, she will be back next week, we believe, and we'll hear what she thought about uh, the Oscars, and we'll fix another movie for you. All right, send us on Mustachio.
0: All right, look for us on Screen Fix on Spotify. Uh, look for us on Twitter. Look for us anywhere you find your podcast, whether that's Google Play, uh, Apple, uh, iTunes, um, uh, Stitcher. Spot- uh, did I mention Spotify? Yes, <laughs> hold
1: on. Uh, let me let me take <laughs> over. So- ha <laughs> Where <laughs> are we again? Please, subscribe, rate, and review us, please. We definitely need need more of that. Please follow us on Twitter, and you can also tweet at us, at ScreenFixPod. Uh, you can also, and please, if you'd like, reach out to us with anything, ScreenFixPod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook. Follow us there. Uh, we also have a Patreon account. If you would like to donate to the to the show, keep us going. We love making this show for you, and uh, we also have dreams of opening a one screen theater that can serve as the home of podcasting and indie fests and indie movies, and, and it'll be and it'll be good stuff. And that's it. That's it for Screen Fix this week. We'll see you next week. It's
0: annihilation. It's annihilation. <laughs>